You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Do you ever feel that as yoga teachers, we sometimes get so focused on promoting our classes and our events that actually teaching can get put on the back burner? The focus on getting new people in the door, it potentially overlooks how important it is to deliver a high quality experience that inspires people to become repeat customers, to come to your classes again and again, to sign up for all the things that you offer. So today I'm gonna share some of the most common mistakes or pitfalls when it comes especially to teaching workshops and other in-depth experiences. Also how to turn these potential mistakes into strengths. Some of these tips you can definitely apply to a weekly drop-in class, but they're more relevant and more important for single events like workshops, retreats, and trainings. The first issue I wanna address has to do with your content. As teachers, we often get so excited about our topic, and then we try to fit as much information as possible into our workshops. The problem is, if our students don't have the same foundational understanding as we do, this can leave them feeling overwhelmed and unworthy, like they aren't smart enough to be there. I once attended a workshop that sticks in my mind because the presenter was incredibly smart, so knowledgeable, but I walked away at the end with zero usable information and frankly, feeling kind of dumb. It made an impact on me as a workshop presenter that knowing a lot doesn't automatically mean you know how to share that information in a way that feels accessible and useful for your students. As I said, the presenter clearly knew a ton about the topic, was very, very smart, but they used so much jargon and assumed so much prior knowledge that they were really hard to follow. So attending that workshop helped me recognize how important it is to tailor the workshop to the level of understanding of the students, and also to be really clear for yourself about the most important concepts to get across. So it's not about getting as much as possible across, it's about getting what's most important across. Now, you might not know exactly where people are starting out before you actually start teaching, but you can decide for yourself what's most important for them to understand. Then you can adjust your workshop content in the moment to focus on those core concepts in a way that the feedback that you're getting from your students helps you understand where they are. And if you wanna make your workshop feel really cohesive and really useful, then craft it around a core message. A core message is one specific shift in thinking that your students will feel clear about by the end of the workshop. You may also share data and techniques with your students, but the way that your workshop is going to make a lasting impression in a good way, not the way that that other workshop made an impression on me, is by upgrading the way that they look at a specific topic or their place in the world or their yoga practice or even their lives. Earlier this year, I released an episode about common misconceptions about yoga 
and how to address them. A link to the episode, I'll put a link to the episode in the show notes. So that was about yoga in general. But whatever subtopic you're focusing on in your workshop, there are going to be similar misconceptions. And those misconceptions are going to be major stumbling blocks for your students. If students believe that sucking in their abs is the same thing as strengthening their core, you're going to have to undo that misunderstanding before you can really teach them how to strengthen their core. Consider for your topic, what's the number one misunderstanding that could hold your students back from making progress? Then build your workshop around that theme and weave it in throughout so that when your students walk away from the workshop, they feel that they have a new understanding of the topic that doesn't rely on them memorizing facts or techniques. Then the facts and the techniques, they can basically be like icing on the cake. The next area of potential that I want to address is about time management. Running out of time usually stems from kind of the same experience, the same situation that I talked about earlier. We get super excited about our topic. We do tons of research. And then here's the thing. We plan the workshop we would have wanted to take. Then you get into the room, there's real people, and everything takes longer than you were expecting. Your students don't always understand what you're trying to teach them the first time you say it. So you end up having way too much information if you stop and clarify for people as you go. Which, by the way, I definitely think you should do. But when you're planning your workshop, instead of planning one long progressive sequence that assumes you're going to make it through all the content, plan your workshops in modules. So you might have anywhere between three to five modules. Any more than that, I think, would be just too many subtopics. And each module is kind of a core concept, right? So the difference between a core message and a core concept is a core message, you only have one of them, and it's really kind of a big picture conceptual shift that you want your students to make. The core concepts are facts, experiences, or practices that will support and reinforce your core message. Like I said, you want to have between three and five of them and let each of those modules include some options for how would I back up if people aren't really ready for this? And also, if they get it easily, if they grasp it easily, how could I progress? So for each section of your workshop, you're super clear on what's most important and what you're going to cut out if you start running low on time. So each of your modules is going to have a specific chunk of time devoted to it. So you know roughly when you're going to switch topics. Although if one module is a prerequisite for the next module and it's clear that your students aren't getting it, then of course you can make an executive decision just to extend that module, perhaps for the rest of the workshop or as long as is needed. I'll actually tell you a story about a workshop that I taught that inspired me to start planning my workshops this way. I was teaching a self-myofascial release 
And in all the advertising, I promised a full body self-massage. Well, when it came time to end the workshop, I had basically just done the lower half of the body. My students were super understanding and they had a good experience and they gave me good feedback, but I felt pretty embarrassed, honestly. And it taught me a lesson about building both flexibility and also time benchmarks into my workshop plan. The next area of workshop facilitation I wanna talk about is how to engage people's brains in optimal ways for learning. The biggest mistake here is too much lecture and not enough engagement and doing and participation. Now, this is a place where teaching in person is actually a major advantage because in person, you have more flexibility to present your material in different ways. But these concepts still apply and can be adapted for online teaching. Most people can only sit still and really absorb information for a maximum of about 20 minutes. With the modular workshop plan that I talked about just moments ago, you can break your lecturing into smaller chunks and then have them put what they just learned into practice in their bodies and also even have them reflect and think about and talk about what they learned. Each time you change what they're doing and how they're receiving information, there is like a refresh for their attention. Now, if you're teaching a completely experiential workshop where you're guiding them through their bodies the entire time, then you don't necessarily need this technique, but be aware that there's gonna be less retention of what you talk about if you're only talking while they're moving. And maybe that's okay, especially if your workshop is about having a specific experience. But for more learning-based workshops, as much as possible, find ways to engage different senses and present the same information from multiple angles. We all learn in many ways using multiple senses at the same time. But some people have more comfort learning one way or another, like listening to podcasts or reading books or moving their bodies. And some people actually have some trauma or anxiety that will come up around learning other ways. So what this means is that in order to learn more, we need to engage more of our senses. And the most effective learning environments are places where students get to see, hear, touch, move, apply, and then even sometimes teach the concepts that they're learning. Demonstrating and lecturing is super important, but you wanna make sure to interweave that with other ways of engaging with the information. Okay, one final tip before we finish up. The principle of immediacy describes a phenomenon where people will retain and remember the last thing they read or the last thing they heard or saw more easily than things that came before. So the end of your workshop is in some sense the most important part. If you've ever attended an event that at the end kind of felt like a letdown or it felt rushed or incomplete, then you know how important this is. The end of the workshop needs to be its own module and it needs to be prioritized. So no matter whether or not your students are grasping your core concepts, you're gonna reserve the last section of class for them to reflect on what they learned, decide what's meaningful for them, what they wanna retain, 
And you'll also get a chance to gauge which parts of your teaching really landed with them and which parts they still need more work on. Another component of this closing section of your workshop is clarity about their next steps so that they feel like they're leaving your workshop with a game plan. Generally, people sign up for workshops because there's a skill they desire or a challenge that they're working on. And it's unlikely that that goal will have been fully achieved in one workshop or that challenge entirely overcome. So you wanna give them the tools to keep going. How could they build upon what they learned during the workshop? That might include practices to take home, maybe a sequence, or it might also include an invitation to the next phase of the workshop or a private session with you. Whatever seems appropriate for your specific topic, the important thing is to give them next steps. Okay, there you have it. Four simple strategies to improve the workshops, trainings, and retreats that you facilitate. One, create a sense of cohesion by using a core message. Two, plan your workshop in sections or modules that reinforce that core message. Three, break any lecturing up into smaller chunks. And four, reserve time at the end for reflection and next steps. I hope that this episode has got you feeling excited to teach your next workshop or retreat or training. If you wanna go deeper into the topics I touched on today, as well as promoting your workshops, I have an online course called Workshops That Wow. It's a step-by-step -step framework to help you plan, promote, and produce high-quality yoga workshops. It includes visuals, checklists, detailed instructions, and multiple examples of all the concepts I talked about today and a whole lot more. Learn all the details and sign up at helloyogateacher.com slash W-O-W. That's all for this week. Now get out there and plan your next yoga workshop and let me know how it goes.